T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Clock hour. It's Cody and Gold. Alex Gold, Jed Marshall. Cody out today. We'll see what happens on Monday. Jed is in for Nick Schwert, who we've confirmed has actually made it to Germany. So I don't believe we will see any uh, text on the text line coming from Nick Schwert like we did. He actually did make it. My understanding is yes. We got some flight stuff worked out, and yes, I believe Nick has actually made it to Germany. So happy to hear that after. After the, the flight stuff we were talking about the other day or so, thanks again to Pete Sweeney for stopping by in the 10 o'clock hour. He's had that to Arrowhead, and uh, we'll hear from Andy Reid coming up at 1 o'clock today. Also in the 1 o'clock hour, Rob Collins going to join us. He'll help us out with a little uh, what's your fantasy. also want to get his thoughts more on the stadium project, uh, get his perspective. The more people I talk to, I, I'm just curious where everybody's at on, on the idea of the downtown ballpark, the ballpark district, and what Rob Collins took away from that. And, of course, we'll talk some Chiefs football with Rob uh, in the 1 o'clock hour as well. Uh, But I want to go to something that will not die, apparently, and that is, uh, of course, the feud between Kansas and Missouri is never going to die. But in particular, the idea that Missouri ducked KU for the Liberty Bowl and for bowl games. We all know the story from a couple weeks ago. Brett McMurphy of the Action Network had come out prior to the bowl assignments and said that Missouri did not want to play KU. Of course, that prompted a a large bit of conversation. Uh, It also uh, has kind of fueled the rivalry even more a little bit that uh, Missouri Uh, seem to be ducking the University of Kansas in a football game. You saw on Twitter, both schools have been kind of uh, poking fun at the other in terms of that. Eli Drinkowitz uh, certainly has fueled the flames a little bit, uh, even more so with uh, his sign that he carried and held, someone else's sign, but the sign that he carried uh, there at the MU basketball game against KU this past Saturday. Well, what you're saying, why are you talking about this again? It's old news. I, I thought it was as well. But the bowl director for the Liberty Bowl was on a radio station in Arkansas. I think it is important to note that it was in Arkansas because it's Arkansas and Kansas for the Liberty Bowl. We know Missouri is going to be in the Gasparilla Bowl playing Wake Forest. And so typically, if you're a bowl director, your job is what? To hype up the matchup, sell as many tickets, get as much money. You're the director of the bowl. Your job is to help make it a successful bowl week financially for everybody involved. And so you're going to talk all you can about the matchup and hype it up. 
And so I, I say that, I preface this audio cut with that. Listen to what happened the other day, though, from the Liberty Bull director. We, we stood tall for the Razorbacks from day one because, as you know, at the end with Missouri happened to beat the Razorbacks in the last game, they wanted to come, no matter what all that baloney was about not wanting to play Kansas. And, and we had some choices in the Big 12 side, too. You know, we could have taken Baylor or uh, Oklahoma State, some pretty good team. He said whatever all that baloney was about Missouri not wanting to play Kansas. And so you hear that, and you're like, well, there you go. If you're a Missouri fan, you're saying, well, there's my evidence. That reporting before must have been wrong. We weren't talking Kansas. And so that, that was the reaction. This was a couple days ago. And you saw Eli Drinkwitz quote tweet that audio cut that you just heard as if, oh, see, you know, I'm right. Told you guys we're not, we're not ducking our rival. And, of course, it's something you could never admit to anyway, even if it was true. So then the guys on the drive a day or so ago had Brett McMurphy back on because, again, he's the one that originated the report. And listen to Brett McMurphy's response to the audio cut that you just heard from the Liberty Bowl director. He also told me multiple bowl officials told him Missouri did not want to play Kansas. What I reported originally was that Missouri did not want to play Kansas in a bowl game. I did not say they did not want to play in the Liberty Bowl. I said they I said a Liberty Bowl was an opportunity for the schools to play because of the bowl tie-ins. They could have also played in the Texas Bowl. They could have also played in the Sugar Bowl. What I reported was Missouri officials were telling bowl officials and people within the SEC who then relays that information to the bowl officials, we do not want to play Kansas in a bowl game. And so that's what I reported. Again, all I can tell you is I just talked to him. He said what you reported was accurate. I shouldn't have said baloney. I should have said brouhaha. What others have reported after I reported it, that said Missouri is scared to play Kansas and all these different things, I never reported that. I said, and I think when I told you guys, I actually understand why Missouri would not want to play Kansas. In their viewpoint, they have nothing to gain. That doesn't mean you're scared. And the example I used was A&M in Texas. And Steve Earhart told me an example of they had A&M one year, and they were told by the league office a&M in Texas will not play in a bowl game, so don't try to pair them up. He said this was the same situation. So there you go. You have Brett McMurphy saying, well, no, 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 no. Even though I heard the audio cut, he's saying that I talked to the bowl director, and the bowl director said my reporting was accurate. The bowl director said I should have said brouhaha, which, by the way, when's the last time you used brouhaha? Jed, when's the last time you used that in a sentence? Oh, probably. Brouhaha. All this brouhaha. 12 years ago? Yeah, I don't know. The conservatively? Last time. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever, honestly, I don't know if I've ever been like, man, all that brouhaha. I don't think I've ever used that. That's what he's claiming he should have said. So it's kind of like a, I won't even call it a he said, she said, because if it's true, and by the way, I, I understand Missouri fans are upset with Brett McMurphy, and this is the kind of stuff that happens and what makes college football and rivalries fun and all that. I'll never understand, though, the, the notion that Brett McMurphy's just making this up, and that's what some people have accused, of, accused him doing. Brett McMurphy, in particular, has covered college football for, I don't know, 30-plus years. He's one of the more respected college football writers. Yeah, he works for the Action Network, which is a betting uh, publication now, but he worked for ESPN for a very, very long time. So the notion that he's just making this up, I, I'm sorry, I, I just completely disagree with. Um, is the wording from the Liberty Bowl director interesting? And will we finally get to the bottom of this on Monday? Maybe so, because I believe the drive is going to have the Bull director. 
for, for the Liberty Bowl on their show. And I think once and for all, maybe we'll, we'll get the, from, from the horse's mouth, if you will, we will get the direct answer on that. Um, but I get if you hear the audio from the bowl director in that interview with the Arkansas station, yeah, if I was a Missouri fan, I'd say, see, we didn't, he's, he's telling you, we didn't, we didn't duck you. I would absolutely be reacting the same way. But then I hear Brett McMurphy claim that he was on the phone with the bowl director after that audio and said, oh, I used the wrong words, should have said brouhaha, not baloney, your reporting is accurate. And I, and I, I don't, Brett McMurphy's not making that conversation up. Why, why, I, I don't get why people think that McMurphy just making stuff up out of thin air. Why would he do that? What, what good would that do him here? Right. And he doesn't were- have a vendetta against the University of Missouri. So I think he's accurate, but I do want to hear what the bull director has to say on Monday. And this is fun. This thing, this story, which I thought was dead already, is now brought to life again. Well, and I think it's interesting hearing what McMurphy was talking about in the cuts, just about different things, you know, talking about Texas versus Texas A&M and not necessarily you, you can, two things can be true at the same time. You cannot be ducking someone, but also not want to play them. So I completely right. understand <laughs> right. the fact that, you know, maybe the phrasing was poor, but two things can also exist at the same time. And I think that's the, the situation we're in here. Yeah, and I think where, where people have gotten upset with McMurphy is, as he pointed out there, he didn't say in his article, the original article, he did not say that, hey, Missouri's scared to play KU. We, everybody made that assumption because that's, if you're saying you don't want to play KU, that's, that's essentially what you're saying. That, that's been a fan base thing that has been taken. He didn't put, his words were not that Missouri is scared to play Kansas. His words were, Missouri doesn't want to play Kansas in a bowl game. Not the Liberty Bowl, but in a bowl game in particular. And so that's, that's what prompted everything, as we know, a couple weeks ago. Since then, the bowl assignments have come out, and I kind of had moved on a little bit. It was still going to be fun fodder between fan bases, sure, um, but kind of done with it. And then that audio came out down in Arkansas, and I think that is important. I think the, the radio station he was on really does matter. Talking about the bowl director. You think he was going to be on an Arkansas radio station and say, yeah, we really wanted Missouri and Kansas, but I guess we're happy to have you guys. No, of course he wasn't going to say that. Was going to badmouth Arkansas and say you guys weren't our first choice? That's just not that's not how that kind of stuff works. Do you when you when you're applying for a job and you go through the hiring process and ultimately you get hired? Uh, there's chances at times you weren't the first choice. They're not going to tell you. You know what? We like this other guy, but we're happy to have you. No, they don't ever tell you that. That's not how that works. The same thing with the bowl games. They're not going to tell you. Same thing with a lot of things, guys. Coaching hires. There's nobody ever didn't get off for the job they didn't take, right? That's that's usually how it goes in the coaching hiring world, right? Where a coach uh, doesn't ever really turn down a school because he never was offered. Like, that's wink, wink. Like, that's kind of how this stuff goes. I think the same thing applied with this scenario involving the Liberty Bowl. Well, and I do think it's uh, another thing that McMurphy was talking about. What do you think that Missouri really would have to gain playing against Kansas in a bowl game? Oh, I, I that's another thing. I, I agree. It's the same back and forth that – we've had many times with Kansas basketball and Wichita state. It was kind of the same argument. Like what did, if you're bill self, what did you have to gain by playing Wichita state? We ultimately saw them play in the NCAA tournament and Wichita state won. And we saw the reaction. Like you have, you're there isn't anything to gain. Exactly. Um, but the reason why there was so much attention uh, to the report that Missouri did not want to play Kansas was that we know the huge knock on bill self in Kansas for a decade was that, well, you guys don't want to, you, you guys are refusing to play us. And that was a fair argument, but that was, that was the whole bitterness back and forth in the argument. So then it was even worse than, oh, you had an opportunity to play him 12 years later. And if the report is true, that you didn't want to. That's what, that's what started everything. We'll be listening Monday. You guys should, uh, to the drive, uh, to find that. I believe I talked to Rob uh, last night. It sounds like uh, they're expecting to have the bull director uh, from the Liberty Bull on and 
get the direct answer uh, from him. And then maybe once and for all, uh, end at least that part, we're not ending the feud, of course, but in the, the controversy around bowl game assignments and things like that. All right, we'll get to the trash of the day coming up in about five minutes or so. Um, but anybody else feel like we've just seen more comeback wins in the NFL this year? We almost kind of had one last night even. And for Thursday night football, as a matter of fact, you, know, you had, a, had a sequence where it seemed for a little bit uh, that maybe Seattle was going to make it. They made a one possession game late. They were down eight. That maybe there was a chance that something like that could happen. Well, take a look. If, if you're wondering if there's been more comeback wins, the answer is yes. Wins when losing entering the fourth quarter. Over the last six, seven years. So back in 2016, even 31 of them. Or 27 of them in 2017. 2020, there were 30. 2021, there were 26. This year, there's been 45 comeback wins. Teams that were down entering the fourth quarter that come back to win. We were just talking about taking your foot off the gas, involving the Chiefs and things like that. It's not, it seems like it's a, is it a coaching problem in the league? Is it a mindset problem? Why is that happening this year? I think a lot of it is coaches taking their foot off the gas a little bit too early, whether it's uh, trying to conserve some things, whether it's being overprotective, whatever it may be. Maybe you think it's just, there's more parity than ever before. And it's hard to blow out teams in the NFL, but that's fascinating. I mean, that's from 26 comeback wins in 2021 to 45. That was through week 14, a season ago to now 45 when losing entering the fourth quarter is kind of wild. And it's the most since 2011, second most since 1990. So this year, we're just, if it feels like we're seeing more comeback wins, that's exactly what's happening. We are seeing more comeback wins than, than ever before. And last night was an example of almost happening again, where the 49ers let Seattle hang around, and Seattle did have a chance uh, to come from behind. That ultimately did not happen, and now Seattle uh, is in a bad spot losing another game. They got Kansas City coming up next, and Tyler Lockett now has a broken uh, finger, according to Pete Carroll, and maybe could miss the rest of the season. Last night also, to me, though, has been one of the better stories in the NFL and is going to be really fun to watch here in the final three weeks or so, and that is Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, who is now the starting quarterback, who has now played in two and a half games and has not lost a game, and the 49ers look like a team you simply do not want to play. We had spent a ton of time talking about the AFC, Chiefs, Bills, Bengals, Dolphins maybe. Of course, the Dolphins will play the Bills on Saturday. And a lot of times in the NFC, for the best record in the NFC, the Philadelphia Eagles. But honestly, who would you rather face right now? Yes, Brock Purdy, the third-string quarterback who's playing great. Defense is incredible. They got everything clicking on offense, too. Or a team like Philadelphia. It's weird. You would think the obvious answer would be, well, I want to play the third-string quarterback. But I'm not, I'm not so sure that's the answer. If you were to truly get an honest answer from coaches across the league, Jed, I'm not so sure that everybody would say 100% across the board that they would rather play the 49ers and the Eagles. And that's a, that's a testament to what Kyle Shanahan has been able to do. It sounds like I tell you're shaking your head a little bit. It sounds like you would still prefer to play the 49ers. I understand in Kansas City we say that because the Chiefs put up 44 points on that 49ers team. And that's what makes it remarkable that Kansas City was able to do that because they are shutting down everybody, Jed. This 49ers defense is incredible, and they're making Brock Purdy, they being Kyle Shanahan, making Brock Purdy look like a rookie of the year candidate. He's got the fifth best odds. The dude's played two and a half games. To me, though, it it gets back to roster construction and things like that. Yeah, the 49ers might be better than the Eagles when it comes from two to 53, 
But I think that when you're talking about the quarterback play, I don't think Jalen Hurts, i.e. might win the league MVP. He, yeah. He's definitely one of the favorites. Definitely. But I certainly would rather have him over Brock Purdy. And to me, when it comes down to crunch time, playoff time, I would much rather have that you know, quarterback situation as opposed to Brock Purdy. That's why I was shaking my head. I don't necessarily disagree with you and think that the 49ers aren't a better roster, like I said, but it's the shine will come off Brock Purdy. I'm, I'm, I'm quite confident to say that. that like, we're all waiting for it. And that's why I think it's a little quick but it's for two, people. It's two and a half games. That's yeah. to me. It's, it's just what we live in as a society. Everything's so sure. overreactionary and things like that. And I get it is two and a half games. So it's, a bigger sample size than just the one game. Right. But still, he's not uh, putting up world-beating numbers. And when you have... But that's the thing. he does. That, that's the beauty of Kyle Shanahan's team right now and his system is they don't... Like, we know the Eagles, they need Jalen Hurts, despite all the time, they need Jalen Hurts to be special throughout the playoffs. The 49ers can win with Brock Purdy just not throwing interceptions. And that's what I think is really interesting about the 49ers. Nobody's saying that Jalen Hurts is, isn't a better quarterback and A.J. Brown's not a better weapon than what the 49ers have in, like for one-on-one V1. But as a team and the coaching staff in the, the system that Kyle Shanahan uses, Brock Purdy's kind of perfect for that. Like that, that's what's kind of, that's, what's kind of crazy. And he's not making mistakes. Now I'm waiting with, I'm with you where I'm waiting to see, all right, when is that, when is that moment going to come where he's going to have to go and maybe win a football game, but the style of play that they set up, like that's not going to happen all that often for the 49ers. It's not with that defense. It's not going to be very often where they're going to need Brock Purdy to go and score 35 points. That's not their, that's not their MO. That's not what they're asking uh, him to do. And the whole notion, though, that like, oh, he's going to be their starting quarterback next year. Yeah, I'll pump the brakes on that still. But if Brock Purdy, who's now won the division, that's locked up. If they went out and then they make a run throughout the postseason, and let's say it's an NFC title game against Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, and boy, would that be fun. I wonder what the spread would be for that. That'd be in Philly. Ooh, Eagle, Eagles by two and a half. That'd be interesting to see where the spread would come out on that. I don't. It wouldn't be much. It would not be much. Um, but if he takes into that... Think about the options that the 49ers as an organization would have. We'd have the Jimmy G story again. Trey Lance is still there, but you haven't seen anything from that guy. He's hurt. And then you'd have Brock Purdy, who at that point would be winners of, under this hypothetical, what would that be? Seven in a row? <laughs> and clearly playing good football. It'd be, they'd have some options. It would be a fascinating offseason story. And it right now is already an awesome story for Brock Purdy, a kid out of Iowa State who was the last pick in the draft. But the 49ers look awfully dangerous. I, I was skeptical of it about three or four weeks ago, even when everybody was saying, well, look, here, here come the Niners this was with Jimmy Garoppolo. So I need to see a little bit more, but this defense now doing it against uh, a playoff team, even if you think Seattle's floundering a little bit, uh, but let's not kid ourselves. Seattle was in position for a while to win that division even uh, is, is awfully, awfully impressive. And yeah, I agree with you on the text line from the seven, eight, five, the 49ers would have three quarterbacks uh, that they could trade or keep on the roster. They wouldn't. They would have a lot of options. You could come up with a scenario where they traded Trey Lance or they traded Brock Purdy or they or they brought back Jimmy Garoppolo. They, they will have a lot of options coming up. Trash of the day. All right, let's get to the trash of the day. We mentioned we had our, our company party yesterday. Uh, now, it was not themed like this one. I'll tell you that. There was a party in England that was all themed around KFC. It had a gravy fountain and a chicken bouquet. There was a bucket of chicken made of cake. 
Uh, and this gentleman said he wanted to make sure that his wife had a 30th birthday to remember, so he pulled out all the stops. Her favorite food is KFC. He decided to throw her a party themed entirely around the Colonel. He hid pieces of fried chicken, the bouquet of flowers, ordered a 10-piece bucket, designed a special graphic to go on the TV, uh, and then, as I said, he had the chocolate fountain, but they modified it to work with gravy, which that just sounds, disgusting. sounds awful. Yeah, uh, and she was thrilled. She's a big fan. For us, we just love the chicken, but the best bit has got to be the gravy. Now, the cake looks pretty awesome because it's one of those where they use, like, the like fondant stuff to make it, you know, it's, it's edible, but you don't really eat it, if that makes sense. Like, sure. you can eat it if you wanted to, but you still probably don't eat it. Is KFC all that popular overseas? I hadn't. I Apparently? Mean, I, I guess. I couldn't tell you the last time I had KFC, honestly, even here. It's not, uh, it's not my first stop, usually. I'm looking at the gravy fountain, which that thing's knowing as someone that on this show, we've done the barbecue fountain, a barbecue sauce fountain on Radio Row uh, in Miami for the Super Bowl. And Ian Rappaport liked it. And he, he tweeted it out on his, his Twitter account back then. And that it was a little dicey, even with like the thickness of the barbecue sauce. Right? Oh, yeah. Right. And I can only imagine <laughs> trying to have gravy go through. To me, you're just you're going to ruin that thing. Right. That thing's going to be broken. There's no it's too thick. Too it clumpy. just sounds disgusting, though. The well, idea you can take of... a little piece of chicken and dip it in the gravy. No, I think that sounds disgusting. How is it? I mean, how honestly, though, is it any different than dipping something in chocolate? I don't think a chocolate fountain is all that. Oh, great. So you're I'm just, sure it, I'm, you're I'm... anti fountain. Well, in Kansas City, you're anti fountain. I'm not anti fountain. Wow. I, the text line is going to love that. I'm yesterday. sure I won't get any more <laughs> hatred from after from yesterday. That. They'll be on you. No, I'm I'm not anti-fountain. I'm pro city of fountains, especially, but I especially in COVID times. No, I, I don't think that we need food fountains. Text line says uh, from the 816. Fun fact: KFC is a big Thanksgiving meal in Japan. What? But they wouldn't celebrate Thanksgiving in Japan. Yeah, what? That doesn't make any sense. Thanksgiving's an American holiday. Like, what's do they have an equivalent? Are you saying they're equivalent? Or something like that. They, how is KFC? I'm not saying they, anything. They, 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 I, I'm any staying sense. out of that. Doesn't make any sense, does it, to you? No, it doesn't. Okay. But I know that I'm going to get crap for it on the text line somehow. Now, See, now, after yesterday, someone says KFC has to be reserved one month in advance in Japan for Christmas. Okay, so not Thanksgiving. Christmas, I can understand that. A month. That, Wait, could you, you you can understand that more? Well, how is that better? Here, how does why, it make more well, sense? Here's why it makes more sense. Because... In Japan, they don't, they're not celebrating Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is an American holiday. Sure. Oh, them, I, I, I see what you're saying. Celebrating Christmas and using KFC at least makes some sense. Maybe you're surprised that KFC is popular. But, okay, it makes sense that they're celebrating Christmas. I, I just was surprised to, to hear that they're celebrating Thanksgiving in Japan. That doesn't make any sense. It's all very confusing. I'm still trying to wrap my head around a gross gravy fountain. It sounds terrible. From the 816, Jed, anti-city of fountains. How dare you? I said i like the city of fountains i'm pro city of fountains i said i don't like food fountains reserving a bucket of kfc a month ahead of time is a wild thing to do couldn't you also fry your own chicken have you ever tried to make fried chicken it's really not that complicated we haven't done a ton of shows together but i don't cook you don't cook i don't i my extent of cooking is grilling so well that's kind of i've smoked a turkey before for thanksgiving and i'll i'll throw some things on on the pellet grill that's my extent, but, but I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I couldn't tell you the last time I turned on my stovetop. You come by me in the fiance's house, I'll make you You're a making? nice, nice home cooked meal. But here's as, as I led the show with. We were talking about this. We got to go to break. I know, but and when Pete was here, I'm eating other people's home cooked meals is just weird for me. But know. you'll be in the home while I'm preparing yeah, it. You'll yeah. see what's happening. This is I true. won't be able to. 
I don't know, do whatever you would think I would do to the food. It's not, would, again, as I said, this is definitely a meat problem, and I'm not, I don't think people but you are going to poison me. at Cody's chili party. I did, and I'll be honest, that was uncomfortable for me. <laughs> Why'd you even go then? Because I was being nice. Uh, I would have, I if, you were that, if you were that uncomfortable, I just would have stayed home then. No, but like I, I still go. I just uh, weirded out about eating other people's home cooked meals, and I know that's that's. Weird. I'll make you a very it's nice meal. Problematic chicken I, I parmesan. Come by okay. two two p oh, chicken parm. All right, coming up next it's the Chiefs Red Half Hour, and I'm wondering if I'm alone on this one, guys. When it comes to jumping the gun on one particular player, that's next. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Chiefs Red Half Hour, every day at 11.30 on Cody and Gold. It is the Chiefs Red Half Hour brought to you by Greenway Ford. It's a new day, a new way at the all-new Greenway Ford. Reminder, coming up at 1 o'clock today, we'll head out to Arrowhead and hear from Chiefs head coach Andy Reid. Get a little update on where things are at for McCole Hardman, uh, for Kadarius Tony, who we're going to talk about here in just a second. And then, uh, as Pete had mentioned, Pete Sweeney was in with us in the 10 o'clock hour. Uh, maybe find out a little bit more about the little right hand injury that has not held Mahomes out of practice or anything, but he popped up on the injury report with a right hand injury. So uh, we'll be listening at one o'clock right there with you guys. And then Rob Collins going to join us in the one o'clock hour. We'll get his thoughts on chiefs and Texans. And then uh, talk a bit more about the downtown ballpark uh, village, ballpark district, whatever you want to call it, uh, that the Royals of course are trying to get accomplished. And of course going to need a lot of public support to do so public money. Uh, We'll get Rob Collins thoughts on kind of that process and, and how that is already looking. Uh, Alex Gold with you. Cody out today. Jed Marshall filling in for Nick as well. I mentioned Kadarius Tony, And I, I'm wondering if I'm alone on this when it comes to what we've seen from him. I think we all acknowledge the one game in particular that he showed us what he can be if he's fully 
healthy, and functional. We all got excited. I was right there with everybody. He's got six catches, though, for 69 yards and a touchdown, okay? Two rushes for 33 yards. And they don't need him for this game on Sunday against the Texans. They got plenty of firepower with Juju and MVS and Travis Kelsey and Isaiah Pacheco. And, oh, yeah, number 15. So they're going to be fine even if he doesn't play, and I don't think Tony's going to play the way things are trending. Same with McCall Hardman. But for this year and for next year, like I'm just wondering, are, are we venturing down a road where we're always going to be saying, is he available for this week? Is he limited in practice? If he's there, is he just going to be kind of this big tease where we get excited when he's available? And I do think Bink's comparison to Montessi, I get the comparison. I don't know if it's fair yet fully to put that on. Kadarius Tony, the guy who's been here for a half a season uh, and is dealing with a hamstring right now. I think if we see Tony come back and then he has a hamstring injury again and then we go into next season and that kind of, then that probably becomes more fair. So I don't know if it's fair to put that on Tony yet, but I guess what I'm saying is I'm worried. Are we headed down that direction to where it's always going to be like, man, we, we see the excitement in the flash when he's there, but he's not there all that often. And that was part of the scenario in New York as well. So I'm not there. I'm not telling you I'm there yet, but I'm just, I'm already warning myself, I guess that this is a potential reality of the situation because I think Tony can help this team this year. We know that that trade that they made for Kadarius Tony was about the long haul more so even than this year. And so I wasn't counting on Tony to help this team win a Super Bowl this year. It's just that, well, when you see him be as effective and you see the explosiveness as we did about a month ago, yes, it's been a month since he last played coming up on the 20th, you get excited and you think, okay, well, that, that is somebody that can seriously help, especially if McCall Hardman's not available. The good news is McCall Hardman seems like he is on his way back. And so that should solve that little bit of problem and also help you out in the red zone and how effective uh, McCall Hardman has been in that realm. But Kadarius Tony needs to play this year so that you feel confident that he can consistently be available for next year's team where you only have a handful of wide receivers under contract. How aggressive do you have to be in the draft or free agency at wide receiver? If he's someone that, yeah, you got under contract and he's available, but maybe he's only available for eight games next year. Well, that's, that can't be your number two next year. If you think he's only playing in eight games. So just kind of a warning. And I think Chiefs fans are, are starting to at least look at it that way. Uh, someone on the text line says, yes, Alberto Tony. Again, I don't, Jed, I don't think that's fair yet. I don't, think we're, I don't think we're there yet, but we're definitely everybody's everybody's keeping an eye and wondering if that's where we're headed. I the only reason why I guess I can kind of get down with that a little bit is because you did, as you were talking about, see the one flash and what is it that Mondesi's done? Go on six week stretches where he looks like one of the actual premier players in baseball. And as you were talking about too, just the fact that Tony is a first-round pick, and there is a bunch of excitement about what he could do moving forward. It's just the limited burst that you see it in. And if a guy's not going to be healthy, I think that that is somewhat warranted. What would it take for you guys to, to not think that that's where it's headed again? Because like, for me, it would mean you don't have to play this weekend. Let's just, let's just say next week against Seattle. All right, comes back, hopefully, next week, Seattle. And he, he flashes a little bit. I'm not, again, nobody's suggesting he needs to be a 100-yard receiver. He flashes three catches, 50 yards, but looks really impressive doing so. Uh, is it that he needs to play in two or three consecutive games? Uh, is it is it that you just need to be healthy the rest of the entire season for you not to think that you're worried about that? Because for me, I, 
I need to see him string multiple games together and not have the hamstring pop up to where he's all of a sudden on the injury report. I need him to play against Seattle the next week, fully practice, play a game the next week, fully practice, play a game. And then, like, okay, all right, maybe, maybe this is doable. If he pops back up with a hamstring again, that that's what's concerning. And maybe that's why they're being so cautious with him for this week. And that, as Pete said, you know, maybe he's 98% right now, but we're not going to even risk this. We'll wait till he's 100% because we don't need him this weekend and we're very cautious with, with the hamstring injury. And I'm much more on the same page as you where I'd like to see him continue to string together. The productivity doesn't necessarily have to be off the charts for me to at least you know be more confident. It's the fact that he needs to play consecutive games and not put the Chiefs... What was one of the biggest dings on Sammy Watkins when he was here? It wasn't necessarily that he didn't play week in, week out. It was that... When he would come into certain games, he would play four snaps, and that definitely inhibits your ability as a football team to put out your best 46 guys or how many ever you can dress now at this point. To me, if Tony's actually able to come out, have a fairly productive workload, and I think you we've seen over time that regardless of who the weapons are out there, Patrick Mahomes is going right. to make these guys better. And, and, and the good news is, I, I get what the Sammy Watkins comparison is fair, but I they were counting on Sammy to be a number one or number or a number two, really. For sure. You know, Tony, if we're being honest with ourselves, he's the number four. Number, mm-hmm. You know, you know what I mean? Like, so, or really maybe in the fifth op. I mean, Kelsey, uh, Juju, MVS, uh, and then we can get, we can nitpick and agree or disagree on is he, So he's probably like the fourth or fifth option still. And I would say that even, I mean, Marquez Valdez Scantling, I don't think that anyone would be super pleased with what they've seen so far this season. So, I mean, even if he's giving that kind of production, they're, they're similar type players in the fact that they're both speed guys and relying on that. But to me, I don't know. I mean, if he's slotting in as your three or four, I think that's a good problem to have. Yeah, I I don't hold him to that same standard as as some of the other guys, especially he was traded midseason. Now, it's interesting you brought up MVS because I was going to talk about him anyway, and we can do that now because uh, you, you take a look and, and you said maybe nobody's been impressed by what what he's done. He's been the same type of player that he's actually been. I mean, I, unless your expectations were that he was going to take that huge leap and become a, a 900 yard receiver. If you do look at what MVS has done, he's had some drops. We expected that. That's what he's been at times. He's also made a couple of huge catches. He just made a big one against the Broncos. As a matter of fact, uh, we know against Cincinnati, I know the chiefs didn't win that game, but he did stretch the field with two big catches in that. And he's at, would you be surprised if I told you that he's got 34 catches for 600 yards? If you take a look at what he's done in his career, going back to his days with Aaron Rodgers, his career high is 690 yards. He's still pacing to have uh, to have a career year. Like he's he's I feel pretty pretty confident in saying with four games to go, he's going to go over 700 yards. I mean, I, to me, he's been what you kind of expected. Probably, and I guess maybe I had inflated expectations because he was coming into the Chiefs system and playing with Andy Reid sure. and Patrick Mahomes and stuff like that. I guess. Also, one of the reasons is because with the loss of Tyreek Hill, I know that people have talked about McCall Hardman's been out for an extended period of time and missed a lot of a lot of time. But that's where I thought MVS would be more of a, a big play type guy and be able to not necessarily replace, but certainly at least take away some of the uh, loss of Tyreek Hill. But I don't know. I mean, if he's trending for what would be his career year, I can't be unhappy with that. So he had, uh, in 2020, with the Packers, 63 targets, 33 catches for 690. That's the high watermark of his career. Right now, he's got 61 targets, 34 catches in 606 yards. So he's already got more more catches than he did in that career year. He's four catches away from a career high. 
Uh, that was from his rookie season. But as you can tell, right, the targets are definitely pacing to be above that. So he's he's going to get some more targets than he's ever had before in his career. And so he's going to end up with more yards than he ever has had in his, his career. I thought he was going to be, I think when we did our preseason uh, projections like everybody does for, for wide receivers, I want to say I had him like 750-yard receiver. He's got a chance to get there still. Uh, all it takes with his ability is a game where he has a 45, 50 yard catch and suddenly he's, he's pacing to be right in, in regards and right in line with that. And maybe this is a week as well against the Houston Texans where he's able to to do that. So uh, based off of uh, what people are even saying on the, on the text line for Tony and for this entire wide receiver court, just be healthy through the playoffs. And if they can, if they can be in that position, I'm, I'm not worried about the consistency with the wide receiver crew. They got enough weapons to spread this thing around with the best quarterback in football. Uh, as long as that right hand is fine for Mahomes, I, I don't think there's any reason to be concerned about the offense in that particular regard. Now, thinking of Sunday, we know the Chiefs are taking on a Texans team that is 1-11. The Chiefs are 14-point favorites for a reason. This is a bad football team they're facing. They gave the Cowboys all they could handle, though, last week. Really should have beat the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, they caught the Cowboys maybe off guard a little bit with the two-quarterback system. That's not happening two weeks in a row, even if Lovey Smith wants to play it close to the vest. I don't think anybody's concerned there. Also, there's no Damian Pierce. There's no Brandon Cooks, it looks like, uh, for this game on Sunday. So they're really up against it uh, with just availability. And they were already up against it with the talent gap that they're going to see on that football field uh, down in Houston on, on Sunday afternoon. But are Chiefs fans feeling like a dominant performance is needed Sunday because of last week? Like, if, if the Chiefs would have beat the Broncos last week the way it was trending – which was looking like maybe a 45 to 10 win, 45, seven win before. Of course, we know that six and a half minute stretch where suddenly it became a one possession football game. And we've discussed it all week. The frustrations not being able to, to seal, uh, seal it earlier than what the chiefs did late in the fourth quarter. But because of that, like, do you need to see dominance of a one win football team? Are we going to be sitting here on Monday? If the chiefs win, let's say 24 to 14, but the chiefs were up again, you know, 10, nothing at the end of the first quarter, but they only want like, it's 10 points enough for you. And this is weird. This is like spoiled talk right here. It's the NFL. It's hard to blow out teams. Is it more just how they go about it? Cause I still maintain if the chiefs would have beat the Broncos by the same margin, six points, which they did, but they didn't have the 27, nothing lead. We wouldn't have had the same reaction. It was more of how the chiefs let the Broncos back in the game, a bad football team. So if the Chiefs are only up 10 nothing at halftime, even against the Texans, and they end up winning, you know, 24 to 10, and it's a kind of a, a game like that, is that good enough for everybody? Is it simple that you just want to see things in between? Because for me, it's not the score as much as I want to AC a turnover-free game from Kansas City against the bad football team. A turnover-free game, sure, I'd like to see some more takeaways again defensively. But more importantly, because what I think is actually the most correctable is can you go from throwing three picks to not turning the ball over in this little eight-game stretch of giving the ball away? They've turned the ball over in eight straight. Can you can you cut that out against a team like that? That, to me, is almost more important, bigger picture come playoff time than, oh, you beat the Texans, you covered the 14. Yeah, beat the Texans, Don't even if you don't cover the 14, which I do think the Chiefs will end up covering the 14, by the way, if you listen to the, the betting show last night. But it's more about the individual things in that. The turnovers, can you keep the pressure on? They're coming off a six-sack game of Russell Wilson. Can you get to Driscoll or Mills, whoever the hell the quarterback's going to end up being? Can you get to them three times, four times in this game? That's the kind of stuff that I, 
I want to see more than are you just going to annihilate them on the scoreboard. I think that the Texans are a bad enough team that both things can can be true. Fair. Yeah, you, you can see the the fact that the Chiefs can clean up a bunch of things. When you were talking about the turnovers, I know that it's been more troubling with the offensive side because you've seen it, and it's more glaring when it's Patrick Mahomes. Sure. I guess maybe that's what it is. But to me, against a team where you're going up against either Davis Mills or Driscoll, whoever the hell the Texans quarterback <laughs> is going to be, if the defense isn't able to create turnovers, to me, that's what I want to see. To be actually able to hold a extremely inept offense down and do what they're supposed to do, that would be encouraging for me. I also think, can they make it two straight games of being clean on special teams? <laughs> right. Thing. Like last week, the, the comeback for the Broncos was not because of a muff punt or miss field goals and things like that, which would have been maybe a scenario you would have entertained if I would have told you last week, like, how did the Broncos come back in the game? Oh, they must have muffed a punt. They must have had all these other mistakes. This time it was the offense of the turnovers. So in this game, I would like to see for two straight games, if they can not get caught off guard by an onside kick, not not be caught off guard by a fake punt that the Texans may, to try, may try to try on you, not get uh, caught off guard by anything Certainly have Justin Watson just back there fair, fair catching every punt, please. I don't mm-hmm. need anybody returning him. That would also be another thing that in a game where nobody's taking the opponent outside of the team itself all that seriously, you really, truly like worry about yourself in this one. Clean up the things so you're good to go come playoff time. You've got a favorable schedule. Yeah, you've got to win those games as well. But during that, can you clean up enough things to where you feel comfortable and get some confidence back in particular with some of the things we just know, mentioned and that special teams unit. Can Bucker get on a little roll here the final four games uh, of the season? And your point about special teams is an interesting one because that's something that Dave Tobe for years and years has done such a good job of, and I know that people have been critical of him for the handling of Sky Moore and different things in the putt return game. But when you're going up against a team that's desperate and has nothing to play for, that's when you need to be most prepared for it, like you were mentioning, an onside kick, a fake punt, things of that nature. So... I would expect the Chiefs to be ready for it. I know that in the playoff win, what was that, in 2019, 2020, yeah, technically, yeah, yeah. Yeah. they had the fake punt that definitely changed a lot of the momentum in that game. But yeah, Justin Reed, now a Chief, was yeah. the one on the fake punt. Exactly. So <laughs> I, I do think that you know you, you probably will see something like that. And, yeah, if the Chiefs want to be prepared for what they're going to face in, in the playoffs, because generally they're going to be the better team, this is a perfect, for lack of a better term, tune-up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was the word that, that Pete Sweeney used as well. I think that's a great way to describe that. And, and I think they got a couple of them here in the final four. Uh, suddenly the Seattle game looks a little bit easier, and then we know they get the, the Broncos again, which uh, the rematch against the Broncos, considering how that game went in the frustration, I, I'm actually really curious to see what the rematch against Denver uh, looks like. Does Russell Wilson do that to you twice, or do you, do you make the corrections? Because was it just as simple as the three interceptions against Denver uh, change the entire game. And I think there is a strong point to be made with that over on the J Southland tow service text line, nine, one, three, five, eight, six, seven, six, 10. Someone else says, I'd rather see a turnover free game versus the defense forcing more turnovers. Yeah, I'm with you. That's what I was. I, look, I think takeaways are so important if you're going to be <laughs> giving the football away, but can you, can you just not, can you just not turn the ball over? Let's, can we start there? That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. I would love to be sitting here on Monday and the chiefs, picked off Davis Mills or whoever uh, two times, and then the Chiefs didn't have a turnover and offense. Yeah, that, that would help. That would get you closer to being uh, break even on turnover differential for the season. Right now you're, you're negative five. Um, and that, that, to me, is definitely the more important thing. 
I thought this was interesting from the 913. Why are we even talking about this, he says, or she says? Well, because the Chiefs are playing down to their opponents. Did we think that that's what that overall was against the Broncos? I, that wasn't my feeling in the loss to Denver. Or the loss to Denver. It felt like that at times, right? In the win against Denver. Like that, I, didn't, I didn't feel like the Chiefs played down in their competition. I think they made, if, if anything, they're up 27 nothing, And they felt like they could just continue to throw the football against Denver and be aggressive the, in that regard. You can still, to me, to me, you can still be aggressive running the football. That's where maybe people disagree with me. Like the notion of keep your foot on the gas, that doesn't always mean pass the football. You can be aggressive and keep your foot on the gas by running the football when you were as effective as you were at times with Isaiah Pacheco. I, I don't think the Chiefs played down to the Broncos. They were up 27 nothing, guys. Did we, they, we think they were playing down? What, so for six and a half minutes, we thought they played down? Yeah, I, I think the pick and the short field swung the entire game. And then you had some other issues that, that cropped up. I don't, I don't think they played down to the Denver Broncos. To me, the more playing down to the opponent, that was in the Colts game more than the Broncos game. The Colts game, the Chiefs were never up big. The Chiefs were never dominating the game against the Colts when they lost. The Chiefs dominated the game against the Broncos for the, for the first, uh, what was that, quarter and a half-ish. The Colts game, they never were dominant. That was ugly from the big get-go, and they were going through the motions, and it was just a disgusting football game. I don't, I don't think they, they, they play down to the Broncos. I agree with you that they can't play down to the competition of the, the Texans, and honestly, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if that's even possible. Well, and I know that the Broncos have had a disappointing year, and Russell Wilson has been that contract, and what the Broncos gave up is looking more and more like a disaster. But what was the narrative coming into the season about the Broncos, that they were going to be right there and maybe sure. a, a challenging team in the AFC West? If you look at their roster, the 53-man, they do have a talented team, they have good defensive pieces, so playing down is always a little bit of an interesting term to use because, again, I don't think that the Broncos are awful. Their record might not be what they want it to be, but so much of that has been because Russell Wilson's been terrible and their offense can't score. Of course, Chiefs Red Half Hour brought to you by Greenway Ford. It's a new day, a new way at the all-new Greenway Ford. Coming up next, we'll get to what's trending. Jay Binkley who's filling in actually on the drive this afternoon, of course, host post game right here on 610 Sports Radio. He'll join me in studio. We'll, we'll talk more about what has to be fixed for the final four games, not just this Sunday, but the final four games, what's actually correctable and something that's happening with NIL in college basketball and college football that we all should have seen coming. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh.